Hey everyone, thank you for checking out our podcast here at Victory Hill Church. Over the next few moments, our lead pastor, Aaron Begley, is going to share an impactful message with you from the Bible. We hope that it will encourage you to connect with God and connect with others. Hey, I'm so excited to be here today, and uh, we have actually, we're going to be inverting, we're doing a little bit different today. Uh, We're going to be spending a little bit of extended time in worship at the end of our service today, and so I hope that you'll lean into that and lean into all that God has in store for us today. And so we're going to jump in as we conclude our series entitled Ghost Stories. Over the last several weeks, we've been looking at the role of the Holy Ghost inside of our life, this individual, the third person of the Trinity, and who he is inside of our life and what he wants to do, and hopefully unpackaging maybe some of the myths that we've heard about it, maybe some of the misconceptions that we had, and hopefully we're opening our hearts up and that we've been opening our hearts up to all that the Holy Spirit has in store for our lives. And so if you were here the first week, we kind of talked about the Holy Spirit being the breath and that he is a wind, and that he just wants to propel us forward into the things that God has for us. That's really the character of this Holy Ghost. The next week, we talked about the Holy Ghost doing a work on the inside of us to to sanctify us, to make us into the image of God, to lead us and to direct us and to give us peace inside of our hearts and our lives. Last week, we talked about spiritual gifts and that and when we say yes to Jesus Christ as believers and followers of Jesus Christ, that he gives us a spiritual gift and they're good gifts that we have inside of our lives. And we need to be using those gifts for the building up of the kingdom and to do the ministry that God has called us to. And today, I wanna talk to us about this last element in this series. And I wanna talk to us about being filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. And specifically, I want us to look at this word baptism. Baptism. So if you've been around the church for any period of time, you've probably heard about Holy Spirit baptism or the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And, and so it's a terminology that you've probably heard inside the church, but do we fully understand what it means? Because baptism doesn't mean just to be dunked under water. Over the last several weeks, we've had people get baptized here at the church, and we've dunked them under the water. But it means so much more than that, that baptism means to to be immersed in, to be immersed in. And so what I want to do today is I kind of want to break down this word. I want to look at this being filled with power, and I want to give you some steps today as we conclude this entire series. And I hope that your heart is open to receive all that God has for you today. And so I'm going to do a little bit of teaching on the front side of here. I'm going to give you a lot of scripture. So if you're a note taker, hold on right quick. Um, You can watch the video after, Um, but let's dive into it today. What I want you to understand is this, is that there are three baptisms that are available to you and to me in our spiritual journey. So when we talk about baptisms, there's three baptisms that are available to every single person under the sound of my voice. And this is part of our spiritual journey. The first one is this, it's it's to be baptized into the body of Christ, to be baptized into the body of Christ. And if you're taking notes, you can write the word salvation right next to this, that this is your salvation experience, that salvation, the Bible tells us, is an immersion into a relationship with Christ and his church. That's what salvation is. It's an immersion into a relationship with Christ and his church. Church, We see this in 1 Corinthians, and we see it here in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. For we were all baptized by one spirit as to form one body. That there is a salvation baptism experience that God wants us to have. It's an immersion into a relationship with Jesus Christ and the body of Christ. Let me show it to you again in Galatians 3, verse 26 through 27. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. 
For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. And so we have this picture of an immersion, that we are baptized into Christ, and then we are clothed with Christ, that he immerses our lives. And this is the the baptism experience that is our salvation. And so the first step for every single person under the, the sound of my voice, the first step in your spiritual journey is this first baptism. It's a salvation baptism. It's to be immersed into the body of Christ and into his church. So I want to take you for a moment. I want you to see where this happened in the life of the disciples, those believers, those followers of Jesus Christ. They had this experience in their life where they got saved. And so we see it here in John 20, verse 19 through 22. It says, on the evening of that first day of the week, When the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, so this is right after Jesus has been resurrected from the grave, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Verse 20, after he said this, he showed them his hands and his sides, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And what we see take place in this pastor scripture in John is that the disciples at this point are actually forgiven of their sins. And maybe some of you are sitting here today and go, why do the disciples have to be forgiven of their sins? They were followers of Jesus. They spent every day with Jesus. They were the ones that were closest to Jesus. The reason they have to have this is because they needed this baptism into the body of Christ. They needed to be immersed in this relationship. They needed the forgiveness of their sins because they lived under the old covenant. Jesus has just been resurrected from the grave. He is alive and they needed their sins forgiven just like Every single one of us needed our sins forgiven. And so the Bible says that he breathed on him and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, let me make this very clear this morning to us in this Holy Ghost story, in this Holy Ghost series. Let me make you this very clear. Whenever you get saved, you receive the Holy Spirit inside of your life. The moment of salvation, you say yes to Jesus Christ. We see it here in the life of the disciples. You receive the Holy Spirit. Spirits. Okay, so sometimes you may have heard it taught that you don't have the Holy Spirit yet, but yes, you do. The Holy Spirit is active inside of your life. It's the very first baptism, it's the salvation experience, it's an immersion into the body of Christ. We see this actually um, in another account in the Gospels. So if you didn't know it, the Gospels are four books that tell the same story. And so sometimes when you go to another gospel, you maybe get a different detail. And so we see the same story take place in Luke chapter 24, verse 36. I'm gonna jump forward, uh, head to 49 because we get another detail. It says, well, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, here's the same story, peace be with you. Let's jump ahead to verse 49. He says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And so even though that the disciples had received the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation, they hadn't received the immersion or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So you need to keep this in mind here as we walk through this this morning. They hadn't received the immersion or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They have the Holy Spirit. But there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's why it says it's kind of past tense until you have been clothed with power on high. 
One last place, same story we see this at in Acts. We see this in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Verse 4, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Future tense, they're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They've already had the Holy Spirit because they've had a salvation experience, but they are going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So they've been baptized into Jesus, the first baptism, the salvation baptism, immersion into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is their salvation experience, but there is more that God has for them. So the very first baptism is a baptism into the body of Christ. It is your salvation experience. And when you are saved, the Holy Spirit becomes active inside of your life. Hold on to this thought where we see that in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We're going to get to it in a moment. The second baptism we see in Scripture, the second step that God has for every single person in their spiritual journey, the first is salvation. He wants everybody to know him. The second step he has for us is this second baptism. It's known as water baptism. And the reason this is a separate experience is this, is you do not have to be water baptized in order to be saved. That's why when we baptize people, we say, hey, this is not a guarantee of salvation, that you do not have to be water baptized to be saved. And the reason for this is that if you had to be water baptized in order to be saved, then it would be of some type of work that you could do inside of your life. And the Bible tells us that salvation is a free gift of God, that there is nothing you can do to earn it. It is grace-filled. God just loves us, and he pours it out inside of our lives. And he says, you know what? There's nothing you can do to earn this salvation. So some of you may have heard before in the past, or maybe you've heard it taught, that you have to be baptized in order to get into heaven. But that is not the case, because that would be a work of your own. There are even some denominations And maybe you've been in one of those denominations that actually believe what you say when you are baptized actually matters. So there's these wars that go on inside of churches, and some say, oh, we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Other churches say, hey, we baptize just in Jesus' name, and and that the words that you say when you are baptized actually matters. But can I tell you something? Baptism is not a guarantee of salvation. The words that you say when you are getting baptized, those don't even actually matter because this is a separate experience from salvation. Think about it for a moment. If you grew up in one of those denominations that said, hey, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name or you need to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit or else it actually doesn't count. You are not gonna show up to heaven one day and God is not gonna look at you and say, hey, I'm so sorry, but I can't let you into heaven today. Because while you were underwater, the person who was baptizing you said the wrong words. So now get out of here. You are no longer allowed in heaven. That doesn't make sense, does it? Because the words that we say in the midst of that baptism is not what is important. But baptism is a second step in your journey. You see, God has a journey for every single one of us. And baptism is that second step. It's an important step after you are saved. And so 27 times in the New Testament... We see where people got saved and they got baptized. We see it here in the book of Acts. Those who accepted his message were baptized. They confessed Jesus and they got 
baptized. Why is this an important step? You see, your confession of faith is a private decision that needs to go public. It's a private decision that needs to go public. And so oftentimes, well, this is what you'll see happen here. Sometimes we'll close service and I'll say, hey, if anybody wants to give their heart to Christ, hey, raise your hand, every head bowed, every eye closed. It's a private decision for you to make with Jesus Christ. But once you've made that private decision, guess what the Bible says you should do with that decision is you should go public with that decision to follow Christ. It's just an outward expression of an inward work. We go public with it. That's what we've seen over the last several weeks. So I get so fired up with baptisms because people are saying, God's done something. I've had that first step. I've had a salvation experience with God. And now I want to tell the rest of the world what God has done. And I'm going to go public with my faith. You see, water baptism is no different than a wedding ring. This ring does not make me married. What makes me married is the covenant that I made with my wife as we stood at an altar. All this ring does is say to everybody else, hey, I'm taken, right? So just everybody know, I'm taken, okay? I have a ring on. No, you were thinking that. But that's all this wedding band does is it's to tell everybody else, you know what? I've made a commitment. But this wedding band doesn't make me married. If I take it off, I'm not all of a sudden not married to Abby. It's the, it's the covenant that we've made to one another. It's the words that we said as we stood at an altar before God and our family and friends. That is what makes us married. And so it's a public declaration of what has happened on the inside of you. And that's why we encourage baptism. It's just to simply to declare I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm not ashamed of it. Here's what the Bible says about it in Matthew. He says, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge them by, before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown them before my Father in heaven. And so it's just this public profession of our faith in Jesus Christ. And so that's the second step in your spiritual journey. There's three baptisms, the baptism into salvation, water baptism, but then we see a third baptism, and this is the baptism that we're landing on today, and we're going to spend the rest of the time talking about. It's this. It's a baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's a baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so let's remember the disciples when, they, when Jesus shows up, he breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So they received the Holy Spirit when what? They got saved. The Holy Spirit was alive. But then Jesus looks at his disciples, he looks at his followers, and he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to wait, because I'm going to immerse you in an experience. I'm going to dunk you in a relationship with the Holy Spirit inside of your life. He's like, there's something more I have for you. It's a third baptism. It's a third step in our journey with Christ, and it is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Here's one of the best ways. I, some of you guys are visual learners. That's kind of how I learn best sometimes. Let me just kind of break it down with a very simple illustration. If this glass represents your life, the water in this glass represents your salvation experience. That when you say yes to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit invades your life. You have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's that first step in the spiritual journey. But then he says, there's something else I have for you. And I have a baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so the best way to kind of maybe describe a baptism in the Holy Spirit is he says, I want to immerse you in this power. I want to immerse you in this relationship with my Holy Spirit. And so the water in the glass represents salvation. But the immersion is that all of a sudden God says, I'm going to dunk you in this thing known as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
He says, I want your whole life to be consumed by this Holy Ghost, this Holy Spirit inside of your life. He says, it is a good thing that I have for you. And so there is an immersion that he wants to take place inside of our life where he clothes us. The Bible says in another experience where he clothes you or he immerses you in power. This is a separate experience from salvation. It's a separate experience from water baptism. It is the third step in the journey of those who are followers of Christ, and it is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's an immersion of our life that consumes us. And this is something God has for you. And here's the passage of scripture in the book of Acts where we see all three of these baptisms take place. We're laying the foundation here. Philip went down to a city in Samaria And he proclaimed the Messiah there. So Philip is preaching in Samaria. He's teaching about Jesus. He shares the good news. And it says, but when they believed, so this is what salvation, when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were what? Water baptized. They believed in Jesus. Baptism number one, salvation. They were water baptized. Baptism number two, both men and women. And then we're gonna jump to verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might what? Receive the Holy Spirit. Now they already had the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about a baptism in the Holy Spirit, an immersion of the Holy Spirit. This is the third one, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized. They had the first baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so he says this, then Peter and John placed their hands on them. And what happened? And they received the Holy Spirit. There was a third baptism that was available to them when they put their hands on them and they received this immersion into the Holy Spirit. And maybe you're sitting here going, Aaron, why another experience? Why a third baptism? Once again, God doesn't want us to mix up our totally free, grace-filled salvation with the other two experiences that require some work. There's some work that's required in these other two experiences. The gift of salvation is free. The other two experiences, you have to do something to receive those. This being filled with the Spirit, honestly, doesn't have an eternal purpose. Salvation is what has an eternal purpose. Being filled with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit inside of your life, has an earthly purpose. And the purpose of the Holy Ghost inside of our life is so he can send you. So that you can have power to do what he has called you to do in this world. And so the purpose of this third baptism is that he has work for us to do. He has a mission for us to accomplish. And you are not going to be able to fulfill this mission outside the power of the Holy Ghost inside of your life. And therefore, you need an immersion into the Holy Ghost, into the Holy Spirit inside of your life. And so there's three baptisms. The baptism of salvation in the body of Christ. The baptism known as water baptism and spirit baptism in your life. And so here's what I'm saying. God has a journey for you. Everyone under the sound of my voice, God has a spiritual journey for your life. He has a step that he wants you to take. He has something that he's calling you to do. And my encouragement to you today, and as we wrap up this Holy Ghost series, my encouragement to you today is to pursue all that God has for you. Don't stop short in your journey and your relationship with Jesus Christ. Open yourself up to all the great things that God wants to pour into your life so that you can be effective here on this earth. 
And the truth is this, is that no matter where you're at in that spiritual journey, no matter where you're at in your relationship with Christ, none of us have arrived. And so there's something else that God has for us. And it's a step that we need to take. And so in Acts 2, we see this spirit baptism, this Holy Ghost baptism that the disciples received in their life to fulfill the mission of God in the world. And so we see it in Acts chapter two. Let me show it to you. A lot of you may know this. Here it is in Acts chapter two, starting with verse one, when the day of Pentecost came, and we taught about Pentecost in May, and if you didn't, weren't here for them, we'll repost that message this week because you should go back and listen to it. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, that third baptism, the Holy Ghost, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That was their initial response. They received the Holy Ghost. And what we see as an initial response to the receiving of the Holy Ghost inside their life is they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them to speak. And so one of the gifts that accompanied the baptism of the Holy Ghost is the gift of speaking in other languages known as speaking in tongues. It's a spirit-empowered, spirit-enabled language. It's a gift given by God to believers. Now, here's what I want to be. Let's just get it out on the table. When we start talking about this, this is where we start getting a little uncomfortable in the body of Christ sometimes. We've heard different things about it. We've heard different things about speaking in tongues or praying in the spirit. And this is what I think is often the very thing that pushes us away from actually experiencing all that the Holy Ghost has for our lives. Because maybe we've seen abuse. Maybe we've seen packaging of, of, the, of the Holy Spirit and the speaking in tongues in a way that's kind of made us kind of stand off from this. But what I believe is that there is a phenomenon that God has for us. There's an experience with the Holy Ghost that God has for us that shouldn't push us away from it, but it should be real and genuine inside of our life and that there is something that God has for every single one of us in this Holy Spirit baptism, a step that he wants us to take. And so I want us to challenge you for a moment to think about this. So maybe you've grown up in some environments where you're like, you know, Aaron, I'm all for the Holy Spirit. It's this whole thing about the Holy Ghost and then all of a sudden the speaking in tongues. I've I, I just tried to keep arm's length with this. Let me, let me just challenge you for a moment to think. The same apostles who wrote to us about the New Testament, that, that gave us the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that gave us the life of Jesus, the death and resurrection of Jesus, the miracles of Christ, those same apostles... The same individual who gave us two-thirds of the New Testament, the, the individual by the name of Paul, those same individuals are the same individuals who write to us about the gift of speaking in tongues. And so if we're going to take seriously what they say about the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, if we're going to take seriously the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then we have to take seriously this thing about the baptism of the Holy Ghost inside of our lives, the gifts of tongues that, that was available on that day. We have to begin to take these things serious inside of our lives, that this is something that God has for us. And so since this seems to be a stumbling block for many in pursuing, what I believe this is the stumbling block for many people who pursue the baptism of the Holy Ghost inside of their life, I want to talk specifically about it for a few moments and try to bring some clarity around this issue. 
And so this is a gift that I've received in my life from God. It's an experience that I've had inside of my life, the ability to speak in tongues. And so what I say to you today, if this isn't something you've experienced inside of your life, I'm gonna say this to you. It's something that I've experienced inside of my life. I know it's good. I know it's effective. I know that it's powerful. And maybe you've been pushed back by it because you've not seen it maybe operate the way that God intended for it to operate. And so I think we just need to bring some clarity around what is this gift inside of our lives that we saw take place when these individuals received the Holy Ghost inside of their life. And so let me, we're gonna start by asking this question, why was this gift given? The first reason this gift was given was to be a sign. It was a sign. It was a sign for those who had yet to receive Christ. That on that day, these individuals were empowered by the Holy Ghost, by the Holy Spirit inside their life to speak in a different language and to speak in language that they had never heard before. Let's look at it in Acts chapter 2, verse 11. I'm going to save you some time. I'm not going to try to read that. There's all of these nationalities, Parthians, Medes, um, from Libya, from Rome, Jews and proselytes. All of these individuals were in the streets and they heard these individuals speak their language in their own language, in their own tongue. And he goes on in verse, the next verse, the next slide there. And it says, they're speaking our languages, describing God's mighty works. And so the disciples were empowered to speak an earthly language they had never learned before. And the reason they were empowered to do this was to be assigned to all of those nationalities, all those people that were in the city. It's in this moment that God like put a spotlight on that event, on that moment, and to everyone who was in the streets that day, they're like, they're speaking our language. How can this be? Because the Holy Ghost and the, the gift of tongues was used to be a sign to those who did yet to know Christ. Look what he, they go on to say. They say their heads were spinning. They couldn't make head or tail of any of it. They talked back and forth, confused. What's going on here? And into this chaos, Peter steps up, the Bible says, and he begins to preach. And he begins to share with them what has taken place. And that says that's when Peter stood up and backed by the other 11, spoke out with bold urgency. And in the middle of this, thousands of people come into the church. Thousands of people experience that first baptism, the baptism of salvation. And so the gift of tongues was assigned to those who had yet to receive Christ. That's not the only reason this gift was given. The second reason that we see in the Bible very clearly this, re this gift is given is it is strength for believers. It's strength for believers. And so in the New Testament, Paul talks time and time again throughout the New Testament about praying in the Spirit. That this is the gift of tongues is a way to communicate with God through praying in the Spirit. And it becomes strength for believers. So I don't know about your life, but I know in my life I need some strength. There, I need some things to take place in my life. And so the Bible says that this Holy Spirit and the gift of tongues is given to be a strength to believers. And so there are three benefits that this strength provides to those who have experienced this gift inside their life. The first is this, is it perfects our prayers. It perfects our prayers. It, it helps us in our prayer with God. Here's what it says in Romans 8 verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. 
Have you ever been in those moments? I know I have. I know I've found myself wanting to pray for someone or having a conversation with someone and and you realize in that moment that there's just something that's off, there's something that's wrong, you really don't know what's wrong with them, but you can tell there's something going on inside their life, but you don't know exactly what to pray for. And the Bible says that this is why this gift was given, that in those moments when we don't know what to pray for, that we can use this gift of tongues to communicate with God, and he says, I'm gonna use this gift to actually perfect your prayers. So what this looks like in my life sometimes. There's moments I, I, sometimes there's moments I see some of your faces inside of our church. There's moments I'll just be praying and, and your image will come up in my head and, and I'll see you and I'll go, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be praying for them, but the Holy Spirit's laid you on my heart. And so in my personal, private times of prayer, sometimes I'll speak in tongues and say, God, I don't know what's going on in their life. I don't know what's happening right now in their life. And I'll just begin to speak in that prayer language. I'll begin to speak in tongues. And the Bible tells us that when we do that, it begins to perfect our prayers. And so that in the spirit, with this gift, in our private, personal prayer language, we can communicate with God and God will pray through us and he will use this language to perfect our prayers. And so there's a strength that he has in it for every believer. The second thing we see about this is it brings intimacy with God. It brings intimacy with God. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 12. It says, if you praise him in the private language of tongues, and look at how Paul refers to this. This is different than on the day of Pentecost. He says, in the private language of tongues. On the day of Pentecost, it was a public display of this power. But he says, if you praise him in the private language of tongues, God understands you, but no one else does, for you are sharing intimacies just between you and him. And so God says, I'm going to use this prayer language, this gift of tongues inside of your life, to bring intimacy in our relationship. And so he says, in the private language of tongues that we get to begin to communicate with God. Nobody else understands it, but God does understand it. Why do we have to have this? Why do we need this intimacy with God? Why do we need this gift of tongues inside of our life? The truth is this, is that no words that we have in our human language can absolutely display and kind of um, characterize who God is. That's why in the church we say things like this, that God is like a father. And the reason we say he's like a father, because he's like no father that we've ever experienced here on earth. No matter how great your earthly father was, our heavenly father is like a father, but that doesn't even actually, isn't even good words to describe who he is because it probably marginalizes him a little bit. You see, when we converse with God, our earthly language is incomplete to really display and to talk to God about who he is inside of our life. And so the Bible says that God gives us a language empowered by the Holy Ghost where we can communicate with God spirit to spirit, heart to heart, soul to soul. And Paul says that this language helps us to share intimacy with God. And so it's strength for the believer. It's strength inside of our lives because it's gonna help us to perfect our prayers. It's gonna bring intimacy with God. And the third thing it's gonna do is this, is it's gonna build, it builds up the one who prays. It builds up the one who prays. And so it's a gift that he gives to us that's strength for believers. We see this in 1 Corinthians 14, verse four. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. It builds up him. Self. So why do we need to be built up? Why do we need this inside of our life? I don't know about you, but life has a way of knocking us down, doesn't it? 
Life has a way of making us feel inadequate at times. Life has a way of making us feel like there's no way we're gonna be able to accomplish these things. And there's just times inside of our prayer language when you've received this gift of tongues inside of your life that you get into your private prayer room and you begin to communicate with God through the gift of tongues. And guess what? All of a sudden there's some boldness and some courage that begins to rise up inside of your life because you're like, you know what? I've got strength in this relationship with God. This prayer language is what gives us confidence and purpose inside of our lives. And so I don't know about you, but if this is a gift that God has and it's assigned to unbelievers and it's strength for believers, that it helps me to develop an intimate relationship with God, it perfects my prayers and kind of gives me this purpose that I need inside of my life, it builds me up inside of my life. I don't know about you, but if this is a gift that God has, I want that gift inside of my life. And that's what he says this gift is for. Now, let me give you two quick misconceptions real quickly this morning that I think we often have surrounding this gift. The first misconception is this, the Holy Spirit just takes me over. And the reason I think people are so hesitant with this gift is because you've seen it packaged wrong. That you think that if I open myself up to receive this gift, that the Holy Ghost is just gonna make me do strange things. He's gonna make me start like barking like a dog, clucking like a chicken, and that's something the Holy Spirit's gonna take me over and I'm gonna be like an out-of-body experience. I'm not gonna know what I'm doing. That's the furthest thing from the truth. Nothing could be farther from the truth. God doesn't make you do anything. The gift of the Holy Spirit works like all the other gifts. There's God's part and there's your part inside of these gifts. Think about every other command that God gives us for a moment. He would say this. He would say, if you follow me, you should be baptized. That's a command that God gives. If you follow me, you should be baptized. Now, if you've ever been baptized, you understand that God doesn't pick you up supernaturally, put you in a tank and dunk you underwater, does he? It's not how it happens. There's God's part and there's yours part. You signed up. You said, hey, I wanna get baptized. Hey, we give you a shirt. You put the shirt on. You come on the stage. You climb into the stairs and then you sit in the tank. And then you don't just sit in the tank and say, okay, God, I'm ready to be baptized. Take me under the water. No, somebody puts their hands on you and they physically take you down under the water. Because in the baptism, even though it's a command of God, there is your part and there's God's part. Think about the the command to, to follow after God, to be saved inside of your life. The Bible says that what you have to confess your sins. God doesn't take your tongue over and all of a sudden just make you start talking all of a sudden. He says, there is God's part and your part. You've got to open up your mouth and you've got to confess your sins to God. And in that moment, God does his part and he says he forgives you of our sins. When you pray and you ask God to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's going to require your participation. God is not in the business of making people do things. The only place in scripture where I see that God is going to make people do things is a day in the future where he says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Until that point, we have a free will, we have a choice in this matter, and we have to participate with God in what God is doing in this world. And so we got to work in partnership with the Holy Ghost. The second thing that I want to make very clear is this. The second misconception we have is that speaking in tongues makes me a first-class Christian. And so there are people that sometimes feel like if I have this gift and I've been, this gift is present in my life, that it makes me better than other people. 
And that is not why God gave this gift. You have not received this gift inside of your life because it makes you better than other people. We do not believe that in this church. If you believe that in your life, then you need to get rid of that theology. There's no place for it in the body of Christ. Speaking in tongues does not make you a first-class Christian. You see, the truth is this, is the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. He makes me better than me. This is why there's an empowering inside of my life. He makes me better than me. He does a work work inside of me that I could never do on my own, but it does not make me a first-class Christian. And I think here's the thing we need to begin to see. When we understand how the Holy Ghost works and who he is inside of our lives, we shouldn't push him away. We should do everything to run to him and say, God, if you have it in my life, I want it because everything you have for me is good inside of my life. And so how do we receive this Holy Ghost baptism? Let me conclude it this way. Let me conclude this whole series. Let me give you four real quick things that you can do to receive the Holy Ghost baptism, this power from on high inside of your life. The first thing we have to do is this. We need to remove all barriers. Remove all barriers. We need to recognize that in our spiritual journey, God has more steps for us. We need to recognize that God has more things available in our life. And so wherever you're at on your spiritual journey, God has a step for you. For some of you, it's salvation. For others of you, it's water baptism. For some of you, it's to fully immerse yourself in this Holy Ghost, this Holy Spirit. And then even once you're immersed in it, what is the next step that God has for you? Because you have never arrived. There is always a step that God has for you. But if we're going to be filled with this Holy Ghost, if it's going to be overflowing inside of our life, we have to remove all barriers. What are the barriers that you have? For some of you, you have doctrinal hangups when it comes to this. And you need to begin to remove those barriers and say, God, I'm just going to those things gone inside of my life. I'm going to open my life up to the Holy Ghost in my life. Acts 2, verse 38 and 39 says this. Peter replied, repent. This is on the day of Pentecost when he's preaching to the crowds. Repent and be baptized. Turn from your ways. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So remove all these barriers, remove anything inside of your life that shouldn't be there. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. This is for everyone. The promise is for you and your children. So remove all the barriers. The second thing that we have to do is we have to request the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have to request it. And I think a simple way to do that is just to position our hearts and to say a simple prayer And that prayer is this, and we used it the very first week. It says this, God, if you have it and I need it, then give me all that you have. Can you imagine if we position our hearts that way? Can you imagine if that was the request of our hearts to our God, our Savior, our Lord? God, if you have it and I need it in my life, give me all that you have. I can tell you something, that's the prayer in the position of my heart. God, if you have it and I need it, God, pour it into my life. God, I'm going to stop pushing things off the table. I'm going to stop keeping things at arm's length. God, if you have it and I need it, give me everything that I need in my life. God, everything that God has for us is good. There's nothing that God has for us that's not good. So why wouldn't we want everything that he has? Luke 11 verse 13 says this, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So we just got to come to God and say, God, fill me with your Holy Ghost. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. God, I'll take whatever you have for my life. And when I say take whatever he has for your life, maybe it doesn't look like what everybody else has gotten inside of their life. God has something different for you. 
another step that he has inside this relationship. The fourth, the third thing is this, is you receive him by faith. You receive him by faith. That God's gonna make you take a leap. I don't necessarily always like this part, this faith part, but God's gonna make you take a leap into the, maybe the unknown areas inside of your life. And here's what I want everybody to hear today. Because here's what I hope that we get to a place as we've looked at the Holy Ghost over the last several weeks. God's inviting you to take one more step today. There's another step that God has for you. It's one more step in this relationship, this journey that he has. I think there's a beautiful picture of this that we find in the Bible. It's found in the book of Ezekiel. And the prophet Ezekiel sees this vision and and hears the vision that he has. And I really think it's just a picture of our spiritual life and what our spiritual life is like. He says, as the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through the water that was ankle deep. There's an ankle deep experience for some of you. For some of you, that's just where you're at in your relationship with God. Or maybe today, that's what you need to step into. You're like, Aaron, I don't want anything else. I just don't want to go to hell. Like somebody told me about hell and I don't want to go there. And so guess what's ankle deep? That's just your salvation experience. God, would you come into my heart? Would you forgive me of my sins? And he says, you know what? You all of a sudden took a step into the water. But the water is only ankle deep. He goes on and he would say, he measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. And as we journey in this relationship with God, all of a sudden we begin to get knee deep in this thing. For some of you, maybe that looks like today, and we're about ready to worship a little bit more. Maybe you came in today and you're like, I've never lifted my hands, and I'm not lifting my hands to God. And all of a sudden, you just begin to feel the Holy Spirit come on you, and you start, like, putting it up just a little bit. And for you, that's just, that's knee deep. You're like, that's, that's enough for me. But guess what? That's a step that God wants you to take. There's just a little bit more that he has for you. And I pray every week when we gather in this place, can I tell you what I pray is for this church? I pray that when we gather in this place, we have everything from skeptics that say, I don't even know if I believe in this Jesus, to people who have been taking steps for 50, 60 years of their life. I hope we have them on every part of the spectrum. But for some of you, it's just a step to go, oh man, I'm going, I'm going to go knee deep. But look what he says. He says, he measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He's getting a little bit further in. He's getting a little bit closer. But in all three of these experiences, they're wet, water, ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep. But the truth is, is you're still in control when you're waist deep, aren't you? I look at my boys sometimes when in the swimming pool and I, you know what I tell them? Don't go out of the shallow end. Because if they go out of the shallow end, their feet are no longer going to be touched. They're gonna lose control. But he says, guess what? There is an invitation for some. There's an invitation for all. And he says, he goes on in this word message, and he says, he measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross. Because the water had risen, and it was deep enough to swim in a river that no one could cross. And Ezekiel would go on to say that it's at this part of the river that the river is teeming with life, that there is something in the middle of the river that God has for us. And there's good stuff in the middle of the river, but guess what? To get to that place, you're going to have to take your hands off. To get to that place, you're going to have to remove all barriers. To get to that place, you're going to have to ask him to to do something inside of your life. To get to that place, you're going to have to receive him by faith because your feet are going to be off the grounds. And this is what a picture of our spiritual journey looks like. 
And the good news is this, is God is not in a hurry. God is not pushing or rushing you in any of those places. The only one of these things that is critical is that very first step. That's a salvation relationship with Jesus Christ. But God would look at you and say, I'm inviting you to take more steps. I'm inviting you to go a little bit further. I'm inviting you to do a little bit more. For some of you, that invitation is to step in and and to lead in some areas. For some of you, that's an invitation to to open up your life, maybe to this gift of tongues inside of your life. For others of you, man, it's just that beginning immersion and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But God is inviting you to step into things that maybe you have never experienced before through the work of the Holy Ghost inside of your life. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says this, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. God. It's impossible. And so by faith, we step into it. And what I want to say to you today is God knows your heart. He knows your heart. He knows where you are, where you are, and he knows what's left for you in this journey. And he's not looking for perfection. And he's not looking for you to get it all on one Sunday. He's looking for a heart that says, I know there is more. God, help me to take a step. And I just want to encourage you today, enjoy the journey that God has for you. It's a good journey and that God wants to develop in you and grow in you the things of God. So we remove all the barriers. We request the gift of the Holy Spirit. We receive him by faith. And the fourth thing is this, is we relate to him daily. We relate to him daily. It's a daily walk with him. It's a daily encounter with this Holy Ghost inside of our lives. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning as we get ready to close? So I want to pray this passage of scripture as a prayer over you today. And I want you to receive it. And here's what I want to pray over you. I pray that you would receive and have an encounter with the amazing grace of the master, that first step, that you would experience salvation inside of your life. I pray that you would have the amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and some of you need to embrace this extravagant love of God inside of your life, that you know Jesus, but your heart's not been healed. There's things inside of your life that need to change. There's things in your life that that need to be different. And I pray that you would know the extravagant love of God, that you would feel that inside of your life. And then it says, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. And so God wants to empower us. He wants to empower you with the Holy Spirit so that together we can make a difference in this world. Salvation is the first step. Baptism is the second. But the Holy Ghost immersion, the Holy Ghost baptism, to say, man, I'm going all in. My life is gonna be immersed into that. That's another step that God has for you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just... I want to close in an atmosphere of worship today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, here's what I feel like God was saying this week as we got ready to close this series out. Is that there's some steps that he has for you. There's some things he has for your life today. There's some areas and arenas that the Holy Ghost wants to lead you into today. And for every single person under the sound of my voice, there is a step, but that step may look different for each and every one of us. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend some time in worship today. And we're just going to ask the Holy Ghost to move in our hearts and move in our lives to help us to take a step. 
I'm actually going to invite some individuals, some of our elders, some of our staff to, to come to the altar this morning. They're going to wear their mask. But if you're here today and you feel like the Holy Ghost is saying there's a step that he wants you to take, we want to pray with you. And here's what I promise. It's not going to be anything crazy or weird. We just want to, by faith, believe with you that God has a step for your life. For some of you, maybe that's a step into an area of ministry or a calling inside of your life. For others of you, maybe you just are like, man, you know what? I, I received that Acts 2 experience 15, 20, 30 years ago. But Aaron, I never even took another step inside of it. I thought that's all there was. And, and I've just kind of rested on that. But Aaron, honestly, I need a fresh outpouring of that Holy Ghost inside of my life. My life has gotten stale. My relationship with God has drifted. And I just need a fresh outpouring of that Holy Ghost inside of my life. For some of you, maybe you've wondered about this gift of tongues and you see it in scripture and it's something that you desired inside of your life and you're like, Aaron, I, I, I want that. I wanna ask God for that today. And, and if that's you, we wanna pray with you. We wanna just say, hey, if this is something God has that's good for us, we want it inside of our lives. So whatever he has today, would you open up your heart to that and say, God, if you have it and I need it, would you pour it out inside of my life? So with every head bowed and every eye closed, Father, I just pray right now. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope this message helped you to connect with God and connect with others. Be sure to click the subscribe button to stay up to date with new messages each and every week. For more information about our church or for an opportunity to give to this ministry, simply go to victoryhill.org. Thank you, and we hope you have an amazing week.